0: I want us to become brothers again, like we used to be, and for us to find ourselves and bond with each other. Can we agree to that? Opinions vary. Welcome to Three Brothers Filmcast. I'm Anton Bergstrom, and I'm here with my brothers.
1: Anders. And Aaron. My last name is the same as my brothers.
0: And this month, we're discussing Justine Trier's Palme d'Or winner and Best Picture nominee, Anatomie d'un Chute, or in English, Anatomy of a Fall. And here we go. For any student of film history, the English title, Anatomy of a Fall, should recall a famous Otto Preminger movie from the 1950s starring Jimmy Stewart. Add in a cursory knowledge of the film's genre and story, that this is a legal drama and largely a procedural trial film, and there should be no hesitation. Anatomy of a Fall recalls 1959's Anatomy of a Murder. In an interview with Elsa Kislasi for Variety from May 2023, Justine Trier says that Anatomy of a Fall could even be described as an homage to Preminger's film. While this isn't a remake of that film in any way, both courtroom dramas are methodical procedurals that share an interest in uncovering the layers within human relationships, and in unsettling the certainty of the search for facts and truth, in law and in life. I'll note that Trier also cites as an influence Clouseau's The Truth, which I unfortunately haven't seen. Anatomy of a Fall is about a writer, Sandra Voider, played by the Best Actress nominee, Sandra Huller, who also stars in The Zone of Interest. Sandra is accused of murdering her partner, Samuel Molesky, played by Samuel Theus, when his body is found dead in the snow below the third-story window of the Alpine chalet they are living in and renovating. Did Samuel fall? Was he murdered? Did Sandra push him out the window? The subsequent trial, which takes up most of the running time, Uncover secrets, deeply personal behavior, and serious conflict between the couple. Through the process of the trial, their adolescent son, Daniel, played by Milo Machado Grenet, who's blind, finds his perceptions of his parents changed. Both anatomy of a fall and anatomy of a murder are interested in having the private lives of women held up for judgment by the courtroom, and thus the audience. While both trials are blunt about the facts, Trier approaches this from a more decidedly feminist way, which is unsurprising given the time difference, as well as Trier's work in achieving gender parity in the film industry. The question of how we should judge Sandra is central to the film, and I would suggest perhaps the answer is not exactly how Trier wants us to see it. Trier wrote the screenplay with her life-slash-writing partner, Arthur Harari, which brings in an interesting dimension to the dynamic between Sandra Voider, the writer who is accused of killing her partner. I'm thinking in particular of the devastating fight between the couple, full of life regrets, resentment, accusations that is revealed during the trial. It's also curious that Trier has the two main actors use their real first names in the roles, Sandra and Samuel. Then there's the meaning of the title, which indicate the hidden layers of the story. Albert Camus' novel, The Fall, or La Chute, shows us anglophones that the word chute holds many of the same theological associations as it does in English, The Fall of Man etc. To me, the title indicates the obvious question, did he fall? But also asks, did Sandra fall? Did she morally descend in killing Samuel? There's also the steady decline of their marriage, which is laid bare for the courtroom and the audience, as well as Samuel's evident psychological descent into a mess of regret and bitterness. And then there's young Daniel's fall from innocence, as he begins to see his parents as not-perfect, non-innocent human actors. As a good example of European film still favoring the ambiguity that scholars such as David Bordwell have noted about the post-war art house, Anatomy of a Fall leaves lots for the audience to chew on, and plenty for us to anatomize and discuss in this episode. Listeners, be forewarned, we're just going to jump into spoiler-heavy discussion right now.
2: Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. I need you to be precise. Tell me everything. Yes. I don't know what happened. I think he fell off that third floor. The window's open. The autopsy report is inconclusive. An accidental fall is going to be hard for us to defend. That's why there's an investigation for a most suspicious death, because you were the only person there. And of course, you're his wife. Stop. I did not kill him. That's not the point.
0: Brothers, I want to start with your short response to my initial questions. Anders, uh, and then Aaron. So one, were you satisfied with the ambiguous ending of this trial film? And two, what do you think we're supposed to think about Sandra? Just give me your answer to these questions uh, before we open things up into a general discussion of the film's qualities, achievements, and all the other good stuff. Yeah,
3: um, I, I was satisfied with the ending of the film. I think I would have been disappointed if they came out and said exactly what happened or pretended to a certainty that clearly mm-hmm. the, the facts of the case don't lend them to, right. Only yeah. we can't see inside the hearts of the characters. So we're, we're getting us, the audience has to do the same as the jury. And, and, you know, like many of these films, of this kind of think one of the appeals is uh, not to the audience as um, mystery solvers, but rather as um, the jury itself. Right. Yeah. Rending a verdict. And um, then what do you think so- about Sandra? So I, I come down, like I find her actually a very sympathetic character. Okay. I think that uh, I definitely have my opinion of what is more likely the truth. And um, as the film went on, I thought that it really balanced uh, delicate shifts in our, the way we lean toward the different characters. Even if my personal sort of predilection is based on a couple of things in the film is to, you know, us align with her. Okay, um, okay. I, I do well, think does that. Aaron.
1: Yeah, I mean, with the ambiguity question, I wasn't expecting a resolution. I think that it would be actually kind of a cop out if the movie spent all this time digging into the unknowability and then <laughs> it's like, oh, it's one or the other. Like, that would just be an undoing of the whole film not in the sense of what we're supposed to have as our kind of takeaways, because I actually think the movie is less ambiguous in terms of its themes or its Mm -hmm. approach to who is telling the truth at what moment. Um, I think it's actually like using cinematic stuff to kind of clue you into what you should think in those moments. But as to the actual murder, um, yeah, I wasn't expecting an answer there. So I'm not disappointed by the fact that the movie doesn't resolve it. As for Sandra, she's like an infuriating character, but, She's very human. So she's like always interesting at every moment. And she's because she's the only one who can defend herself in a sense in her own choices. Um, the deck is almost stacked against her where it's like everybody's speaking on Samuel's behalf. Yeah. She's the only one who speaks on her own behalf. Yeah. And so it makes you automatically kind of be like, Hey, everybody just needs to back off, which you get with the prosecutor and other things. So um, not necessarily a character I'd want to know in real life, but a very <laughs> you know, person in a movie. Yeah. Okay. So, I, sure you don't know that people like it. No. <laughs> well, that's the reason why I don't want to know more. Than that. I would
0: also agree that going even going into a movie like this, partly because it's you know this European film that I, I expected to have an ambiguous ending to not come down on certainty, um, and then clearly as the film develops with the themes being kind of uncertainty that you you like you have to have that sort of an ending for the film to to work. Um, Sandra, I'm probably leaning towards, I, I find her interesting. I think she's a well-written character. I don't find her entirely sympathetic and I'm not sure. I, I think the film is meant to sort of also play upon our sympathies at different points more than others as part of this. I I, I don't want to say it's not necessarily cat and mouse, but we 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 as the audience are pulled in different directions at different times. And I think that's part of the way the, the ambiguity works, that it um we're, we feel like at different points we're leaning towards a little bit more certainty of something and then we'll sort of shift in a different direction. But do you think, like, for, you know, a North American audience, does a film like this not surprise, partly because we just expect
3: it to be ambiguous? I don't know. I, I just think that that's, like baked into the appeal of a film like this right yeah like as, a, as opposed to a million you know crime of the week television shows that that populate the airwaves whether it's law and order or you know any of that kind of stuff so the people I who mean, are going
0: to seek out and watch this movie are not going to be like oh like this is a you know a mystery and i'm expecting right. a solution at the end. like
3: they're not they're you know and that's not to say there can't be art and like the mystery is a different kind of film than the, the courtroom for sure yeah drama in this way like, I think the minutiae of, like, the court is is part of the appeal. Like, the way that human beings... Like, a court is a really interesting thing, right? and, and it makes a really nice cinematic device because of movies' ability to portray different subjectivities and points of view, right? Mm-hmm. Like, literally sometimes literally, but also, um, you know, through editing and juxtaposition and, and things like that. Um, I mean... <laughs> So I think, you know, there's a reason that like these kind of stories that deal with like the ambiguity of a, a particular telling, whether it's things even like uh, <clears throat> Rashomon yeah. or yeah. Uh, you know Last Duel and things like that. I think uh, that are explicitly showing different subjectivities. This film remains, I think, within the more objective subjectivity mostly. I think there's potentially yeah. a couple shots in the film that that mur- blur that. That line significantly, um, but for the most part, it it shows the way that um, you know even without like the explicit cinematic um, you know point of view shots, um, we're all tr- attempting to to sort mm-hmm. a whole bunch of Rashomon stories all the time.
0: Yeah, I think you're right in that. Like, that's the reason why there are so many movies about trials is because mm-hmm. it's such a good vehicle for setting up narratives where people have to tell their version of a story and you set that alongside someone else's version of a story. This film avoids one of the common devices of of showing lots of flashbacks. Yeah. In some sense, the audio recording that is revealed later in the film of, of an intense conversation, conflict, fight between the couple functions as like an audio flashback.
3: Yeah. But then but, we're given also the visuals to accompany it.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, so yeah, everybody but, else but, in
3: the courtroom would only be hearing that. Yeah. I but it's I, but it's I do explained right? But yeah, yeah, exactly. I do want to come back and talk about that scene. I think it's one of the the two or three most important scenes in the mm-hmm. entire film. For sure. Um, but I want to hear Aaron. Uh, like, did you go into
0: a movie? Did you go into this movie expecting anything other than sort of a cryptic, ambiguous ending? And is this just also reveal our assumptions about what is you know European art film as a North American
1: yeah so I think <laughs> the movie's a lot more conventional than you then um, it might be praised as in yeah. terms of the criticism it, it it fits in the courtroom drama genre really well like if you're comparing it against the anatomy of a murder yep. it has a lot of the same similar, similar similar elements to it but also just as a euro. Film as a prestige film in a way that we may have thought more of it in the 80s and 90s where it's all about like people it's a prestige film about like the interesting interior lives of people in their everyday right but it's it's like with great actors and it's it's kind of a prestige setting and trials
3: give people an opportunity to show off their rhetorical flourishes because it's literally the characters and the actors Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah but then it's also things like you know the movie is it's ambiguous it's ambiguous in its um, withholding of certain key information from the audience but it's not ambiguous in its filmmaking and that's the thing i there's so many ele- times in this movie where it's it's playing its hand and it's not a bad thing it's just it's like f- following the genre where it's it's going to um, clue you in that something bad's going to happen or it's it's got a lot of imagery of is there a key an example
0: you're like thinking of?
1: Well, my, uh, my wife like was pointing to watch this with me and she was pointing this out at, we were talking about it afterwards and she's pointing out it again today of like how many times in the movie is a character seem about to fall down the stairs or almost trip on something yes. or like, but I think,
3: oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I actually think that there's a purpose to that though. Right? No, like, of
1: course there is. But with what i but
3: it's so I think the criticism
1: of the film that you're saying is that it's heavy handed with its. No, music. I, it's not even a criticism. It's just, it's embodying okay. itself more than, yeah.
3: This, oh, yeah! This is not a comic. Like, this movie, is not a subtle that, like, film. It's a, it's exactly, not subtle it's not
1: a, a particularly subtle film. It's not a subtle film because of the like the central scene that you you know the the argument scene is not subtle in any way. Its characters literally dissecting each other. Courtroom dramas aren't subtle because the characters have to explicate motivation at every exactly. moment, and the movie is not subtle either because the filmmaking is very careful to make sure that because it's not going to clue you into some narrative aspects it wants to make sure you understand each emotional moment mm. in the film through the filmmaking. So it will be like, it will change its tactic visually depending on what it wants out of it. So that's why it's, it's switches through the, like the different mediated lenses, but it's always very clear which point of view we're going through yeah. and how we're supposed to interpret that at every so moment. The, and it actually is doing that, it a couple steps ahead yes. sometimes to the point where I was annoying my wife by being like, this is going to happen. And she's like, how yeah. do you know that? I'm like, because it, that, that shot told you that next thing is going to happen.
3: Like. So what I think this film does is that it, it where it diverges from other more ambiguous art European art films like say like uh, Michael Hanukkah or something like that or it, zone of interest it, or zone of <laughs> interest yes yeah the other um, the other is that it so. oh that yeah maybe we can have a big conversation at the end um, well, I haven't seen it yet yeah. the yeah <laughs> the just in the visuals the the film is not like. Foregrounding like some of the, it's meant to be a very like uh, invisible like editing, you know, continuity mm-hmm. editing, and yep. like very yep. clear on all those things, so that it can, uh, you know, tilt a little more into some of the uh, thematic or narrative ambiguities. Okay, so, so I think
0: what we've arrived at as a conclusion in terms of uh, genre on this film is that we should think of this more as a prestige film. Unless as an art house film, yeah, and then that's probably like I know like that's the actual reception in France. Like I think this was significant as being a Palme d'Or winner, but it also had it was like the first Palme d'Or winner to have over a, a million admissions to movies. Right in France, they they measure box office success by how many people go to the movie, which is hmm. a great idea. <laughs> Interesting, <laughs> <laughs> but like so like it was it's 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 a successful Palme d'Or winner for drawing in audiences. Um, but it's funny because we still have this like reception in North America where anytime there's sort of like a big French
3: film, it's, we kind of assume it's going to be like this artsy movie. Well, that kind of goes with most of the films that like recently, now that they've started often including yeah. uh, like foreign films in the, now t- that t- the Oscars want to be a yeah. global award and not like a Hollywood. Like, award. you know, nobody went into, I mean, I think comparing this to something like drive my car, uh, I think that film is Mm -hmm. much more subtle and like challenging in some ways than this one. But yeah, I think American audiences are funny that way. Here, here's my, my thought
0: then. Um, so if we're going to say that this isn't, um, a traditional art house film, but this is more of a prestige filmmaking that wants to draw on ambiguity to make thematic points, then I actually think there's an interesting comparison to the films of Nolan. And in particular at the end of the movie, what I was actually struck by was that I think it sets up it's similar it sets up a similar scenario for the audience, for the viewer, as at the end of Inception, where the end of Inception says yes. that you know what? You're gonna to have to choose your what you want to believe. You have to choose your reality in this, you know, does it, does the the top keep spinning or does Doesn't it not? matter? <laughs> and there's even that is actually made explicit that that theme is made explicit through the conversation between sort of the, the bizarre court nanny. And we, we can get into my, <laughs> I'm just baffled by the French legal system, but we're going to send someone into your home to guard the child for the witness, but okay, whatever. Um, but so that we have this is, like, you know, is, is
3: going to influence him. Don't you know <laughs>
0: the nanny? And then the boy have the conversation. He's like, well, I don't know which way to go. And then she's like, well, you'll just have to choose. And there's this idea that um, belief is actually a choice. And I feel like, you know, that's how I always sort of have read the ending of inception to some degree.
3: I don't. Yeah. But I don't know that this film is actually being that radically. Um, so like, how do you read the end of though? reality in that way? Like I kind of like, So it is does it, but it does come down to the kid's choice, right? The, the but the kid's choice is what world he wants to live with. Yes, yes. And he makes the choice, knowing what knowing that he actually doesn't know, like he the kid himself doesn't know. Yeah. But he what he knows he wants is to have his mom.
0: Yeah, and his dad's gone. And his dad's dead, so he's
3: not going to have. So why? What's the point? it's the better story right? like, in that sense for him. It's not only the better story, it's like he's choosing his fate. Yeah. Like he he's not an idiot. Like so It's a very actually it's very actually pragmatic in that then, way. Then this gets
0: into which I think sp- is
3: the Nolan thing fits really well. Yeah.
0: Well, should yeah. we just dive into then this gets at like what you actually think, you know, the ending of the movie is saying. And maybe maybe you sort of disagree, you know, uh Aaron, like, you know, with what I'm putting forward because I see this as kind of a movie that sets up that there's uncertainty in the world. We, a certain truth we won't be able to arrive at. So it actually becomes
1: like a choice. But like, uh, absolutely. Like (laughs) think about it. Why? Why? Of course that's true. (laughs) No, but why does the movie make so much of it's so much of the central question in the film is like, how do you react to your circumstances? And Samuel and Sandra are just literally the flips of like Mm -hmm. the accident to Daniel. One reacts horribly. And one is like, pragmatic i'm just going to deal with it and part of the pragmatism is she might neglect somewhat yep. the actual needs of yeah. the other and push it onto other people which is a very human she can thing come across is.
3: as judgy and like all that stuff but she's Ruthless. actually I, I personally also think she's right in the way that she she deals with that stuff and i think i think maybe maybe before we get to the ending well or after we get to the end we can go back and talk about that middle the fight
1: between mm-hmm. the recording yeah i no. think it's,
3: it's very telling it, it influences how I, you
1: see the ending too oh for sure no we should talk about the ending I'm just, or the 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 fight because i think it's like the central scene of the film it's the most notable scene it's it's the film uh the scene that kind of sums up the whole movie aside from some of the things that daniel says which really do hit the themes which is why i've been talking about this movie's not an art house film because it's not interested in letting you just like completely make up your own mind in each moment. It wants Mm -hmm. to guide you in the moment, but it wants to let you make the big decision at the end. Yeah. One Um, one early example of how heavy handed the film
3: is like the final scene before the credits is literally the morgue anatomy, right? Like by uh, autopsy of Samuel. And the, the final line that the uh, coroner says is, the goal of I'm, I'm paraphrasing but the goal of a uh autopsy is to ascertain the truth <laughs> mm-hmm. right like and then we cut to anatomy of a Fall. like literally the anatomizing of the body is meant to reveal certain truths but that you're only reading signs on the but body but you're still yeah. reading signs exactly like it's the movie's already like laid all its cards on the table then it's it's exactly not subtle yeah. at all even if it might for many people today, be actually challenging, uh, you know, philosophically or something. But that's, th- I think, actually says more about people today than the movie. Oh, is, for sure. Uh,
1: it's
3: challenging. Thing. Like, Go on.
1: No, I said, this, the thing I kind of just want to bring up briefly about the end, and I don't want to linger too long on it because it's not an original thing, but I also think that, like, the ambiguity over Daniel's story that clinches the trial for his mother. Yep. I don't think that scene's nearly as ambiguous as like <laughs> you think it is. And I have to give the hat tip to Adam Campanaro from Film Spotting. Mm. This is his big take, but it's basically comparing the way that the recording scene and the flashback is filmed, comparing to how the conversation with Samuel driving him back from the vet and the way the fact that we don't hear Samuel, we hear Daniel's voice and it's like a lip sync and we, it's like the. The idea that like this is truly it's a fabrication of a story because he tells the story to his nanny, the nanny person at night, and she's not like entirely convinced by his story about like, oh, the dog was dying and it was this and that. And so he has to like, he has to one up the scale, you know, the stakes of the story. And so he he has this story about the drive home from the vet. But then it's like, yeah, of course, Samuel didn't say any of that. It's way too neat. It's summing up all the things that Sandra said. So it's like it's Sandra who drove him home. <laughs> so in a way, it's also Sandra
3: who uh, acquits herself.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's like he's essentially remembering what his mom said and putting it on in his dad's mouth and using that to sum up the trial. <laughs> mm-hmm. And be- and the the cinematic choices that Trier makes are very clear there. Like you're not supposed to. Trust that that's the reality. You're supposed to trust that that's Daniel's story. He's chosen because he's his voice. We exactly. never get we never Samuel actually hear voice. Samuel's voice. We
0: see him, but it's Daniel speaking,
1: and but it's, and it's so. in
3: that dreamy, hazy kind yeah. of shot.
1: Yeah, and then it's just one of those things. If you actually think about the logic of it, it it also works. Where it's like, why would? Samuel saying any of this stuff the week he tried to commit suicide when apparently he was moody and didn't want to talk about anything and like he was in a horrible way that week and like hungover and stuff. It's like he wouldn't be the one driving the dog to the vet; it'd be her. He's not gonna like, confide either. In the you kid. know what's interesting about based on the way scene, he approaches
3: though, the kid and the protection, of,
0: like it's an interesting scene because it also has like almost like a meta criticism of how flashbacks are often used yeah. because a scene like that where we wouldn't get. Um, the signals that the one character is actually, um, you know, fab- potentially fabricating, but it's it's clearly their telling of what happened here. Like if you did that in a more straight way, where we actually heard Samuel, then essentially what the film is doing is programming doing. you, the viewer, yep. now to believe that this you know nicely makes sense for
3: his narrative arc. Well, it what it what that would do is it would move the level of fabrication from the character to the film itself. Yes. And the film is trying to be like the court, the law must be the law for everyone as the nanny says, right? So do you like, think that this
0: is an function. aspect of the film where it's interested in how films also Oh yeah. um Yeah, yeah. You know steer us like the prosecutor. Yeah, absolutely. Why does it got Preferred the media to... stuff?
3: And it goes it back that? to my whole <laughs> yeah. point of why like courtroom films are so uh, like cinematic in a way that we wouldn't think, right? Because usually one room, uh, you know, limited cast of characters, they're all kind of stagey sometimes. Yep. But it's actually in the other stuff, the, the use of flashbacks, the ability to manipulate time and chronology that makes uh, cinema so well suited to the courtroom uh, story.
1: Yeah. yeah and this is kind of like <laughs> we've gone what 20 minutes or so yeah, yeah and if it's not clear like i think this is a very good movie it's just like, yeah, i don't yeah. think no, it's like I, an I like art house a film <laughs> it's like very well made very well acted i was it's two and a half hours and i was engrossed the whole time i was like very invested in it i thought it was interesting and even though i wasn't expecting the resolution i was like this is entertaining like Jeez. this is mm-hmm. How- good prestige
0: entertainment Okay, Absolutely. so a- Anders, you also quite positive on the film?
3: I, I like the film a lot, actually. Like, I'm trying to decide how high up on my favorite films of last year this is. It, okay. It's quite high. So like, I, I, I like... Think, I think it's... Yeah.
0: I like this movie, but I don't love it. And the I think, uh, Nick, Aaron will dispute with me. But, like, for me, Past Lives is the... I haven't seen that one. It's so. my preferred You guys can talk about Past Lives kind of I mean, on Aaron the best and I can talk about Zone of Interest. Yeah partly because this movie makes so one of the things i loved about past lives was that it made choices that legitimately surprised me that a film would do and that even though and i this admire this film every choice is
3: the one i expected justine Trier to make in order but that's to what's make satisfying this, because this i film. actually think that people would make a film like this and purposely try to like subvert it or like yeah. have it that oh actually sandra is like this like horrible killer and things well, like that okay. right that gets into um, another another yeah, question yeah, yeah. that yeah. we have
0: to pose after we do have to pose is, like is, do you like, think she's guilty or do you, yeah, or not, do you right? think she did
3: it? Um, which i do want to explain my my uh my answer to that in a second but um yeah like this film is not surprising right it's not trying to it's actually trying to explore like just some of the basic concepts around you know having your life put on trial And the way that cinematically, uh, in an entertaining way, you can like uh, share people these perspectives here.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah Anton I don't want to go down the rabbit hole with past lives a movie I think is good <laughs> a movie I don't think is great and sort of the, the inverse t- t- basically what it comes well I don't think this movie's great I just think it's very good and actually um something we'll get into later but like the more of these best picture noms I watch the more I'm like this is a pretty good year like
3: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: like I thought American fiction was like very funny and stuff and like I was like I don't and know zone of I understand- interest is like- no, and zone of interest is like heroin but like very really good. interesting too yeah. um no, but the, the comparison with Past Lives is is more of a thing where if I... Past Lives is a movie that, like, 10 years ago, I probably thought, would have thought is great because of all the elements that are so tastefully done and it's so, like, emotionally sensitive. And a movie like Anatomy of a Fall, I might have thought was a little bit hammy. <laughs> And I've come around to being like, I kind of like the fact that (laughs) this movie, I like this movie, the fact that it's bold enough to not hedge hedge its bets in its approach to the material. While Past Lives is an example of, I think, being too smart by half and you have to hedge every bet because you're thinking about the reaction to the film while you're making it. And it's the kind of thing where I'm like, it's always why I'm more bothered by... Um, sensitive kind of discussions of what is what could be in movies, as opposed to just somebody having actual action. I'm much more about action as opposed to the discussion of action (laughs) in a film, if that makes any sense. Um, But so like this movie, it's, yeah, it's just like, again, it really does remind me of, I don't know, like prestige movies from eighties and nineties where you just, But let let some big hams into a room and yell at at each other and it's fun
3: (laughs) there's something a little bit classical about it too like there's a reason she's referencing anatomy of a murder like yeah um, having those it's longer it has those like big showy scenes or like you know other classic oscar type films you know the verdict uh 12 angry men like all these kind of movies right
2: i'm sorry to interrupt i'm sorry but i don't know you 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 come here Okay, with your maybe your opinion, and you tell me who Samuel was and what we were going through. But what you say is just, uh, it is just a little part of the whole situation, you know? I mean, sometimes, sometimes a couple is kind of a chaos and everybody is lost, no? And sometimes we fight together and sometimes we fight alone and sometimes we, we fight against each other, that happens. And I think it's possible that Samuel needed to see things the way you described them, but if, if I'd been seeing a therapist, he could stand here too and say very ugly things about Samuel, but would those things be true?
0: It's interesting though, that the lawyer takes on a, diff- a very different role though here, her, her defense lawyer, um, you know, because then, uh, Jimmy, yeah, then Jimmy, Stewart Jimmy does, Stewart's yeah. character in Anatomy of a, a Murder is very, he pretends like he doesn't really know what's going on, but he's actually yeah, quite, yeah. quite, but it's different kind of jury, too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, so well, I don't
0: what, what, how does this jury work?
1: Come on, like I need to, for French listeners, please tell me what is going on. Yeah, yeah, Anton just has to go on a wiki wormhole and figure out how the <laughs> French legal system and how prosecutors can be such uh, dicks to the, the defendant. Okay.
3: I, I still and, I just and, and try to like, like impose an emotional take but, on like an action. Yeah, in a way but that, this is like, something actually that I appreciated with the film. Like, I think a lot of films that would want to foreground, say, uh, feminism or contemporary like social mores and things like that. Which I'm not saying this film doesn't. I think. Ironically, this film or in a in an interesting way that repudiates a lot of the way people go about defending those kind of values of justice and things like that. This film actually says that no certain things are, are not actually eligible for evidence in terms of like deciding justice right like because the prosecutor bring one of the most telling points i mean this is a literary film in the sense that the two main characters are literary it's a little bit you know there's this like upper middle class bourgeois europeans right like like there's a whole bunch of points in the film where i was like oh this is so european this is the totally like like well, even the, you, troubles uh, we're, we're gonna hold talk but like i said like, in the yeah like that he's you know and th- they they live this cosmopolitan global uh a life right like but um the prosecutor So he brings he actually brings Sandra's books to the trial and says that I starts reading passages of fictional characters that are, even if they're not taken out of context in the story that he's reading, has no is is basically suggesting that uh, to write or to imagine bad things is uh, evidence of guilt or moral transgression, which I think a lot of people in our society <laughs> yeah. kind of do think. Yeah, establishes. This film motivation. says, and this film says, no, you can actually defend like justice and these things, and those things are actually not permissible to to be brought on trial. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so the movie does actually a good job of like, um, in a not annoying way, showing flaws in the justice system. That isn't yeah. sort of like on the nose, like sort of finger wagging, but you just sort of see, like, you're like, yeah, that like. That doesn't seem fair. That seems weird.
1: See, that's a, see, that's a thing I like. And that's about because the movie. Our, we're aligned with her though. Yeah. yeah. But, yep, but yep, that's, yep. but that's the thing I like about the movie is that it will, it's quite deliberate and it's um, hitting on themes and stuff, but it doesn't really speechify about what social takeaway we're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 it's about how they treat Sandra in a structural sense and a narrative sense. And that's like an implicit takeaway the whole time. But the movie never really has like a person stand up, be like, she's a bisexual woman and you don't understand. She is standing up for this. And that like, that's never addressed in the movie. It actually thinks it's unfair and it's not important.
3: (laughs) What makes her a victim
1: is that she, she
3: ultimately is the only one who can know what actually happened. Right. Who knows? She's the only person who knows the truth, whether she says it or not. Literally, that like, mm. there's just not enough evidence for anyone else actually to. The burden it. of truth right. falls on her. No, but not only that, it means it puts her in a really bad position where she, because she's the motive, she potentially has this motive that emerges because she potential, uh, you know, is the only plausible suspect uh, because of some other weird inconsistencies. It's like she is like put on a d- the defensive, uh, but it, we also understand that it's completely possible that. Um, it's like, if you have enough information, if you have enough data, you can twist a story to make anyone look bad. I mean, like, I think one of the things that's really, you know, this film forces people to confront is that like, to be on trial, um, you know, is she, you know, at one point Sandra says to her lawyer, he's like, okay, you're going to have to be like really honest, right? Like you're going to have, she's like, I'm going to have to admit things about my life. And he's like, yes. Right. Like yeah. in order, you have to. Like, even if you're it's acquitted show, in, it's a I performance, think, the yeah, lawyer, but on, the on lawyer top lawyer of that, team. it's like, if I don't think most people, and I'm not even if there's nothing particularly, uh, what morally transgressive, I think I don't think most people would want to have their life uh and anatomized and put on trial there's something actually i think something a little bit this is where i think the film actually even might uh, unintentionally have a bit of a spiritual value right it essentially is like imagine you your whole life every like careless word you said every uh you know bitter feeling you held for another person right is now evidence against you in judging your life or whether you're you're valuable or not, which is kind of, you know, from a religious perspective is what a lot of people believe, you know, is true. And this film says, look, you're never going to be able to win it because if we actually search through your whole life, we're going to find uh, an immense ledger of just petty cruelties that uh-huh. you've lobbed at everybody. Like, and so the, that's what I think what's really, like, makes, gives the film its tension is not actually even whether or not she's going to be acquitted and all that kind of stuff, but rather that, like, anxiety that, like, of uh, recognizing how uh, it's on, un- even if it looks like it, it is plausible that she might've killed Samuel. It's just, it doesn't actually tell us anything. It's unfair. You can make, it's like inevitable that she was going to look guilty based mm-hmm. on everything.
1: Oh, I would even go one step further. And so like, I'm, <laughs> I am increasingly skeptical of like the legal system as constructed in this way. And I'm not one of those people that's like a, don't don't take this as a um, an extreme political comment or something like for a listener, but it's more of I think that if you the focus on motivation as the determining factor in in guilt is absurd because it just means that if I can argue it better, I win. As opposed to the determining factor, which is do you have evidence? <laughs> it can't be. What or did you do me. something? Yeah. No. Or like, whatever. Who cares what your heart says? Did you no, hurt them? No. Did exactly. Them? It's it's like well. The the truth is not sussed out whether somebody feels it very strongly or not. The truth is sussed out by whether it happened or not, and exactly. whether like and certain things are unknowable. And the movie's interesting because it takes that one step further into life, right? Like you choose the story you believe, believe is yes. a choice, right? And the movie's very deliberate with that. So it takes the legal our the structure of the legal system and almost applies it to life, and that is the way that actually our society treats things. But I'm just like watching the movie, and I think it's partially because I'm watching. Rome right now on your recommendation Anton. Yes. and Rome. I'm just thinking of like old ancient Greeks or Romans just being like let's have an intellectual sparring match and I'm going to determine whether this person and it's like it it's now goes to a realm of intellect and theory and legality and procedure and it's like at one point <laughs> is this is this because this like what's the point here? Like you're never going to determine it. If it's just based off emotions, you have no evidence connecting there to it. It's circumstantial. At most, you don't have a handprint. You don't have a weapon. You don't have anybody witnessing it. So like, and at the end of the day, it's it's also one of those strange crimes where I'm not to, not to excuse the death there, but it is one of those things where it's like, this is the only person in the world she would ever kill. -hmm. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like, what is the point of this whole thing?
0: (laughs) So, what actually that's interesting because the basis within the legal system is that, right, in classical moral philosophy, it doesn't just matter that the effect or what happens matters, but then also the intention is the other side of how we classically determine the morality of But I don't an action. think that's
1: knowable, that's my thing. So, so
0: but, but but that's but, also but, a distinction but that's what between informs, Antoine,
1: your
3: point of the European versus the American. But that but that's what informs Philosophically our, the the European uh like post structuralist is actually opposed to the idea that you yes. can intuit intention.
0: But so that's still within how we approach right like the legal mm-hmm. system in the Absolutely. West. Absolutely. And that's why there's the emphasis on motivation. But what what I find then interesting within this film is that let's say, even if she didn't kill him, she actually has the motivation to kill him. And then that mm-hmm. raises the question of like, how bad is that? And, and what but I then, mean is but you, then so it you're extends reading, that to all of us, <laughs> I know, but what I mean is you're reading, we all that, have motivation. Well, exactly. To but do but, but what I mean is like on a, on sort of like a moral reading of the film that it, it, it's like a, it's a reverse of what you just said in the sense of like, it actually is saying that maybe it's like, even if she didn't kill him, we should think seriously about whether we actually have the motivation and the desire
3: to kill people close yeah. to us.
0: Yeah. it's just,
3: it's it's implicating all of us. Yeah, in it. Yeah, because you know that's yeah. yeah.
1: So I mean, that's why okay. you, go to, you go to church for that, not to court. <laughs> <laughs> Ecclesiastical um, courts. No, right. but yeah, I don't know. So, like, maybe yeah, So, we, what do we? What this yeah, leads into? Do we want to leave it to the?
0: <laughs> this leads into what I just want to get at, like what. Do you guys think she did it then? This
3: is the point. I'm inclined actually to think that she didn't, but that it doesn't matter <laughs> ultimately because as you point out, she has a motive, but like, I also think that that would like, it actually is almost like too neat if she did. You hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think it, like part of me, part of the effect of the film is like in that, like, if you have enough, you know, stuff to work with you can you know, find a motive is it the fear the of
0: being sucked into a similar situation where you become like a sandra yeah. in the sense of like you know like we've all made mistakes and then you're all of a sudden just like because the circumstances are set up all yeah and you're like yeah yeah no exactly. I, I know what you mean and and that's what i think is the movie what i'll give the movie a lot of credit in terms of also ambiguity not just about sort of choose your ending but also it's like there it, it it'll it alerts us to both sides of those things Right, our potential yep. guilt in a lot of crimes that are never committed in the right. of, almost in the Hitchcockian It's, it's actually sense, very right?
3: minority reportish too.
0: Or, yeah. And then on the yeah. other hand, the fear of like what happens if I was the innocent who got sucked into this yeah. justice system.
3: So all there, there's two. I, I think I actually don't think I'm wrong. It's suggesting there's a touch of the minority report. Yeah, like moral dilemma, but the other one is the Kafka, the Kafka's and the trial, like the, the sort of way that a person can be bound up within systems, just by through to circumstance that are, that there's no escape from. And I think that that's actually the other interesting thing we, you know, talking about the end of the film and uh, you know, <clears throat> Daniel's like, you know, story getting her off and th- off the, the, you know, acquitting her is that, you know, one of the things that's frightening is knowing that you're never going back though, even though he, he chooses his mother. It's like the idea that you, you know, there's the line when you win it's just over. She says, you know, or the lawyer, you kind of expect some, she's like, you expect some kind of reward. It's like, I feel like I should be happier that I won, right. That I'm not going to jail for murder, you know, and things like that. But it kind of feels empty. And I think she's onto something there because it's like, you're right. that there you're still punished because the impact of the trial, uh, on your life, on laying bare everything, is its own kind of punishment. Now you live not, you're not, it's just, it's to use the Kafka terms. It's a, uh, it's not actually an acquittal. It's an infinite postponement. You're in a purgatory now because, you know, even if you're off, even if you're innocent of the murder, now everyone knows all the things that you're not innocent yeah. of. Yeah. And so you get your, the reward is you get your life back, but you don't really get your life back yeah. because the trial has irrevocably changed it no matter the outcome
0: but is it also then on the flip side it's like is it also that she's like you know she maybe she did it and she's expecting to be like now i'm free of it and she can't be free
3: even if she's acquitted you know either way she's in a yeah. purgatory yeah. So like whether I, the moral trans—whether the moral transgression is the actual murder, yeah. or the moral transgression is all the other things that are not illegal but that are still moral transgressions—I
0: feel like I'm really, I am torn in terms of whether I feel like at times watching the movie, I was like, I think she for sure did it, and then other times I was like, no, I don't think she did it. In some ways, I lean towards her having done it, partly because of uh, Daniel's like reaction to the whole thing and I feel like he has a, like, I believe he sort of chooses that because he's still, that's like the preferred outcome. And maybe he also thinks that, like you know, I feel like he saw a different side of his dad where he perhaps slightly understands his mom's motivations. Um, But I feel like he
3: finds it more plausible that his dad did. But he's, but he
0: sees like, he definitely has um, a changed attitude towards her. And then there's also the fact that like, in that recording scene one thing i find very interesting is in when there's like again we don't see a um the actual sort of like physical violence right that's part of the what we don't get in the visual flashback but this indication that she was like attacking him the day before is all of a sudden for the audience who is somewhat aligned with her with sandra it's like all of a sudden you're like wait a second it's like is she potent is she capable of violence like it's something but it, he actually
3: also hurt her.
0: Yeah. Well, it raises a that. whole question of whether like there's a potentiality there that we didn't assume partly because she's just like a writer and you know, like what we've met of the characters early on. And you're right it works also for him as well. So Aaron, yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm trying to think of a very um, clever way to wiggle out of this. <laughs> no, so my here's my actual thought. Um, So I'll I'll answer it twice. Um, And then we can choose. No, I'll, I'll say that I think if I'm taking this as reality, if I'm taking this as something that happened, I think it's more likely than not that she killed him because it's the kind of thing that happens in an argument which she slapped him before she could push him bef- after I don't think it happens in the way that like the coroner person describes where it's like yeah. leaning over and smash him in the head yeah. like, really deliberately I think it's more of like angry and throw something at his head or something an or accident like push him. that precipitates the well fight. not even an accident I just think like it'd or... be like an outburst of angry violence yeah. right and similar to the fight the day before and it just it's an escalated version of that it ends way way worse because of the situation and when the noise and the anger and her want the whine and she's not thinking and people are impulsive. This movie's all about people making impulsive decisions, not thinking out the consequences Mm -hmm. of it at all those moments until they have to think about every possible consequence of every word they say, right, in the court. So it's the really dichotomy. But if I'm... So that's if I'm treating this as like reality, right? Yeah. My actual answer, though, is that this type of scenario is a convoluted fabrication in the sense that I don't think a case like this would almost ever happen ever in reality. It is actually more like something from Kafka or something like from uh, Michael Hanukkah, like cache a movie that this has elements of. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, Oh, who pushed Samuel out the window? And it's like, well, the director yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> no to because it's it's like the he has to fall for all of this to happen it's inevitable but it's like and certain things have to be omitted like yeah, it's kind yeah. of the but like, we are never given the, facts, the evidence that we're given we're never given like, enough like, answers to answer it ever yeah it's <laughs> actually impossible
3: to answer it so we don't know but what you're saying is that in real life that would never like there would be more evidence almost every time where's the murder weapon but i also think it's also like you have well, little you're little right i think that you know it's the kind of thing that is very plausible and very likely that she could have killed Uh him. Um, I think that there, it's also one of those situations where it's like in the legal system, you'd be like, but there is no conclusive evidence. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, and weird things do happen. And coincidences like someone getting angry at someone yeah. and then they go off in a car and then they accidentally die. And you're like, shoot, I wish my last words to that person weren't this. Cause you know, yeah. and you impugn as a human being because of narrative yeah. you, you know, this is where it becomes very literary. The, I think the film, and it's important that she's a writer and that people are choosing and inserting words in people's things is that ourselves, like when we're faced with a tragedy like that, where, you know, we, you know, someone's, we are like, I wish I hadn't said that thing to that person before this thing happened, or I wish that, you know, this had been different. Um, uh, well ultimately it makes like, let's say the, let's say like Samuel got hit in a car, died in a car accident after their fight. She might still feel just as horrible that she had hit him, that she had like been angry with him, even if he was, I think, infuriating <laughs> as an individual in that scene. Um, I think that it's a narrative connection that we make. We impugn a connection between that feeling we had for the person and what happened to them that actually ha- may have no connection at all, but the movie and the story connects it. And we do that in our own hmm. lives. We connect this emotion to this action, even if that action didn't
1: really. That's help. literally what humans make do, that. right? We make patterns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what
0: film is on the basic level, right? You, we show you two images and you you form the pattern between them. Do you, So one thing, Here's here's an idea. Do you think that I was wondering if the scene with Daniel and the dog, in some sense, is a similar microcosm of the larger story? Not in the not in an exact sense, but I was wondering when I was watching it whether he actually intended to come up with this story before he fed the aspirin, or if that was just one of the weird things that like people do. Like I think he had the sort of the idea of like what are these pills. Did my dad take these? Maybe I'll It's a weird thing f-
3: even for a kid but I'm to not do. Sure to be like, he I'm he trying to recreate the conditions action. that I found the dog that one day when he ate the yep. vomit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, like, I don't yeah. know if he... I'm not
0: convinced that, you know, within the film, it's like that Daniel Daniel But what Daniel's realizing is that what he's that able action. to do
3: because he's free in a weird moral space as a kid, one being a kid and also just the whole circumstances, is that he's actually free to experiment and see and test the relationship between the things right otherwise he is imputing a pattern and a a connection between say his dad's depression and the dog eating the vomit and and then having that reaction right like um again that's like for the push it's like it's very likely that if he did you know puke up a bunch of pills in the dog that would happen but it's no guarantee right like yeah. yeah I know. In this, in this legal system though, apparently
0: the It's insane. Of, uh let's try something out. Like what the bizarre the bizarre scene of like let's have you speaking like in the room and we're going to get you to like go with I guess that's volume. where
3: I'm less critical of it is like I do think it's absurd and I don't think a person should do that is that uh I think the American and Canadian systems do uh well they uh, limit certain interactions, they also create really artificial and bizarre situations that people people under weird yeah. Emotional pressures that lead to stupid outcomes as well. So I'm like, I don't know which one's better. <laughs> in some
1: ways, okay. Have you guys seen um, Azgar Farhadi's A Separation? Yeah, I yeah. Because this movie reminded me of that in the sense Absolutely. that it's a dissection. Yeah, separation of a separation is like let's make a whole movie about that central fight. <laughs> exactly. And so maybe we should move on to the fight. But it's just an interesting of it's using a whole court case as actually a dissection of like a marriage. And yeah. specifically pitting the husband against the wife and like what's the truth in the situation it's a different dynamic yeah. obviously but um. yeah.
2: you're not a victim not at all your generosity conceals something dirtier and meaner you're incapable of facing your ambitions and you resent me for it but i'm not the one who put you where you are i've nothing to do with it you're not sacrificing yourself as you say you choose to sit on the sidelines because you're afraid because your pride makes your head explode before you can even come up with the little jam of an idea. And now you wake up and you're 40 and you need someone to blame. And you're the one to blame.
1: That central fight scene is the like, it's it's the showcase for the characters. But, it was, but it's also I, like the crux of everything, right? Can I ask you yeah. guys a
3: question? I think the fight settled for me my sympathies and where I, I, I felt. Right? Just In a so way that pathetic. I wasn't sure. Exactly. I was just like, everything she says is actually right. But she's not. I, don't know. I, 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 I guess,
0: well, I'll say, I'll come in on Samuel's side to somewhat. <laughs> I actually think that she's ruthless. Oh, she, she is. is. She's absolutely ruthless. She,
3: no one should actually say those things to a person oh, no. that they truly no. love. But she's not necessarily wrong in also like that, like a lot of the problems that he's putting on her are his issues. Like, one thing i i can't get over the fact that he like doesn't understand how big of a sacrifice it is or or how much like you're you're not the victim if you get to live in your hometown in your in a chalet in your country and that she sacrificed all that other stuff you don't get to make yourself the victim all the time right like he's constantly feeling put upon oh you took this oh i had to give up this dream it's like what are you talking about you're renovating your family's chalet you know she she left a good job and, and like place she liked to be like to be you know like, I, I just, to me, and also, like, his, like, whine, it, it felt, maybe this might, it reveals too much about me and my judginess, but I'm just, like, he's just, like, he's whining about, like, not being able to write and stuff. It's, she's not wrong. She's could like, just do it. Like, you're making excuses. Yeah. And then you're blaming me. And then she's angry and, and, and cruel in some of the things. And she obviously has trans, you know, uh, you know. She plundered. She plund- yeah, exactly. She but, stole
1: his idea. Um,
3: <laughs> but it's, like, I think that is actually one of the more interesting uh, moral transgressions. But yeah. So to me, it like kind of sim- sim- uh, finalized my like sort of sympathy, uh, even like almost even like if she did it, it's like it, it to me, it, d- it does provide a motive and the motive, though, makes it like well wrong, uh, not entirely on, uh, you know, <laughs> understandable. So he's
0: someone who can't get past anything and no. she's someone who makes herself free of anything.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And
0: so and so that why that way, in that sense, like that scene reduced my sympathy for her in her whole trial scenario. Because, like, oh, you're someone who who is like refused to take kind of like to take on any burdens around you on a like a a, you're she's like, you know, she's solely focused on herself. Mm -hmm. And she only is interested in the other people into the extent that they that they conform to her pattern of what she wants to do. And well she's, that's she's even up that's also for what that. he says right like oh, yeah but i mean is, but exactly but your whole the, the whole art, all we have to base right is but exactly is what this
1: scene is and it's interesting of the the films um in some sense it's tackling of like feminist themes and using her as this kind of avatar to explore a lot of this stuff of of you know kind of like a male dominated system exposing the secrets of a woman and holding them to moral judgment and things that are not really you know pertinent perhaps to the actual yeah. facts at hand that's why
3: it's important that she's not like a, a super sympathetic well but that people, and that's right like it would actually I mean. be too
1: heavy it would even
3: it'd be actually like kind of trite it's like oh this poor put upon woman. you know like it reminds me a little bit in that way of like last year's tar a little bit
1: yeah a little bit but that's what i mean I is a that, little tiny it, bit just her character but, but that, that's what i mean is that the, the movie is smart enough to be like Let's complicate this a bit, and we'll, she can also perhaps embody some of the selfishness that is masquerades as feminism in our modern world, where it's like, mm-hmm. no, you're not like f- for women; you're for yourself, <laughs> and you're excusing the one through the other. And it's it's she's probably not a character who would necessarily say that she's doing that. She's actually quite honest once it gets down to it that she just is selfish, or she thinks she's being pragmatic or realistic or something. Yeah. But the way the one line where she. Um, it's her being like, no, I actually don't owe you anything. And it's like, you're married to him. You actually do owe him. <laughs> like, what are you yeah. talking about? You share a kid. <laughs> like, you that makes, there's that a fundamental thing obligation. there. But, and that's why it's so important that the kid is the... Yeah. The no, absolutely. But can I, can I reduce that scene also, though, to like a pure narrative emotional function, is that despite the fact that it actually makes her seem more ruthless and more likely to have killed him, that scene? Mm-hmm it makes him so pathetic that my gut reaction is like, you're an absolute loser. I like the winner. <laughs> like, you know, it, well, it's, I, that's kind of what
3: I was trying to say. Yeah. It, like shifts her sympathy enough that you couldn't, you'd be like,
1: you're like a pathetic bum. I can see
3: why in from her pragmatic view that like, I can see why she would be angry enough at you to like, you,
1: you know, pushing oh, it. Oh, it's just yeah, I and mean, he just he um embodies a lot of like self pitying male attributes of like the put upon, Oh, I'm sacrificing for everyone and it's like you're you're as self obsessed as she is, but in a very but different you're self obsessed <laughs> through
3: like sort of like this, you know, this rebuilding the house is therapy the burden, and, like, right? The burden, you know, like but, he holds these burdens and like kind of treasures them. And but don't
0: like, the, I think the thing that you're both overlooking and that Sandra does, I guess, for Samuel would be that like what he does hold this burden of being like you know like his son um, going blind. And I feel mm-hmm. like she's completely unsympathetic to the idea that he would feel terrible about that. Even if that's not like a logical, like I understand that like it doesn't make logical sense to be like, I'm the the reason it happened because if I had picked him up, like, you know, people do that sort of stuff, but I know that doesn't really make sense, but you're like, but that's a very human reaction to the Oh, thing. totally. And she shows
1: no sympathy to No, that. remember she says right, she but, hates but him because she blames him for it. Yeah like she she's like that. you're right
3: <laughs> she's like it is your fault like at a certain level right like she's like but um would isn't isn't the kinder thing though not to like burden him with that in a way like she's well, she as mean it as with she him, is through not burden, not ostensibly we're okay. not sharing it <laughs> enough but like but he could like like she possibly like begin to he needs to learn to start even himself it's
0: the idea that you also. when you were like when you you owe me nothing or like sorry uh Yeah, when she's when she's like, I owe you nothing. But what that does is like, it's the sort of thing where you're like, you actually by sometimes claiming that no one has any hold on you. It actually like reinforces how much you like have holds on other people and they have holds on you like she it doesn't. It's a thing within the film and that the film itself I think shows is that she's not she's not the figure that she sets herself up to be. Oh, definitely throughout the film, right? I think that's the, he, and that he be something, He wouldn't be right. either. That, that's something not, that
3: I go back to saying at the no. beginning that I like about this movie is that like most of our uh, self-portraits and the way we or you know portray ourselves to others is a, a carefully constructed <laughs> fiction of a kind no. that we don't like. You know, we do try to shield people from like the worst aspects of our, our character and the things that we're like less proud of. So. Right. And that when all those things, if all those things were put on trial, many of us would be like, shoot, I guess I'm guilty. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So in some ways my, mo- my strongest sympathies go with uh, Daniel where he's stuck in this. Oh, absolutely. Like, this I feel sort of, horrible yeah, for the kid. Scenario. I immediately, not only this the, particular scenario, scene when, I, when he found his was... dad's
3: body, I was like, this is going to be already, forget about the trial. It's already like this kid's that's scarred as a person for life.
1: Yeah. Oh, can I also like, also just like a little touch, which, um, the way that like emotional shorthand works in North American movies, it's, I appreciated that this didn't take that where it's like in the early going in the movie, Daniel is like inconsolable. He's not moody. He's actually just like crying all the time. And it's not the kind of thing in, in American cinema and specifically more than cinema TV. It's always like if a character is traumatized they're just like shut off from the world and they just turn into like a little like nothing and so they can get like moody with it as opposed to a character just like being like distraught just well yeah but like it's it's partially because i think um filmmakers are are a little hesitant to make an audience member like uncomfortable watching a character just cry it's i'm thought it's a weird connection but i'm thinking of like in melancholia in 2010 where it's just like what the showing the actual depression depressive episode and it's like this isn't like a um aesthetic approach to it. It's just like kind of horrifying to witness and you don't want to be around it. And that's that's kind of how I felt in the early one with the uh, Daniel where it's just like it's it's almost nice to see like he oh he's just he's it's not about the fact that he's like tra- traumatized. It's like he's missing his dad and he's never gonna get him back. And it's really sad. It is really sad. Um and I was also really worried about the dog for a second oh
3: yeah Snoop I was I was like no no, no don't kill bad. him <laughs> Yeah, he's a good dog. I I still don't know how the dog did that performance. But
0: <laughs> yeah, so like it seems like the they had to dog. They trained the dog for like months in order to get it to look like it was gonna like die, like in that, which is pretty amazing.
1: Dog like, performance. Your eyes, uh, <laughs> should have a An dog signal You're gonna hop up. Yeah. So okay, before we wrap up, can I can I steal like a couple minutes here to spin my ridiculous um idea which of which movie <laughs> i think is most influential on this sure. Yeah. yeah and it's the shining <laughs> <laughs> the snow
3: the so yeah. no
1: it goes way further and the marriage if you were yeah. to talk about the shining on an objective point of view externally what is the actual story you would say it's that a husband who fails to write went into a spiral of depression in a snowy cottage in which he became a threat to his, or it was caused the accident that hurt his son in which he could never get over and his wife never forgave him for to the point where she literally had to defend herself against him and end up killing him which is what happens in the shining <laughs> it's true and this movie points out Stephen King in a line in the in the trial they talk about That's it and this an is Stephen King, King, a murderer, serial yeah. killers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Daniel looks identical to Danny. His the haircut, haircut, the red sweater. Danny? He's called Daniel. Uh, like, people, what are we doing yeah. here? This movie is inspired by The Shining. <laughs> no, it really is. It Think be. about it. He's. It's too. It's too deliberate. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. he's literally a writer who spirals. Have you seen? Have you read any? No, I was looking around. I was looking around. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but I think it's there. Why is
0: why is she I referencing Stephen that. King? Just, that's then. a lot. Of, yeah, you're right. The, the Stephen King mention is, is strange in the, I think also the kid being Danny, Danny. and, and has, looking like him. You know, you
3: know, yeah, with the haircut. And, and there's all- a oh, there's a line. There's a line. There's a
0: line where the person says he, uh, the godmother of Danny, says mm-hmm. that. Yes. she's trying to get him into psychic <laughs> stuff and she's like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he and she's has like I extra don't like senses that, yeah. that other people don't have
3: yeah, yeah. oh my no. goodness she's the that the godmother is the uh the old like old guy the... okay
0: now you're making me think that this
1: yeah. is just I think it's definitely deliberate a weird like trial version of the shine Like, what what if you took The Shining as like a real thing where you don't know there's, you can't know there's ghosts because if you just look at the evidence, there's just a couple that spiral and the husband dies. (laughs) Um, Is this
3: what uh, poor Shelley Duvall has to go through
1: after the (laughs) film? Yeah, basically. I need to go defend herself. Yeah, I need to. I need to go further search and see if there's any references. But
3: smashed this thing
1: that you ran that you I I feel like it's way too deliberate (laughs) have
3: have either of you seen
0: uh Clouseau's the truth
1: no I've seen other clues I have so
0: in the the one interview I was reading she was talking about how uh I think Bridget Bardot is in that movie and she was kind of like manipulated or sort of like tortured almost by like Clouseau with like like he did sort of things to try to get sort of the performance But that has sort of like an extra textual meaning. And then again, I'm thinking of Shelley Duvall and The Shining and, you know, the sort of the stories about Kubrick just sort of like she hated that movie and hated being in that movie. And she like hated doing the multiple takes and all that sort of stuff. So it's just one more potential thread there to pull on.
1: I'm going to go online and I'm going to find that like... I don't know, David Ehrlich writes like an IndieWire thing that comes out like a week after this episode comes out. And <laughs> <laughs> like, damn it. No, he's not clever enough for that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's just, it's, it's it's funny sometimes when like, a movie that seems to almost be telling on itself. And you're like, and then I was searching through all these interviews or reviews and I was like, no, I can't find anybody referencing this.
3: (laughs) That'd be interesting. It's interesting then that uh, one of the, the, one of the other Oscar nominee that I was, we are going to, I was going to mention like zone of interest also starring Sandra Hula uh, is also seems very, in many ways, I I think uh, Glazer, Jonathan Glazer is very influenced by Kubrick across his films.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's the British guy who's like pure um, stylization see, to get it so- to get at like something like much haunting and t- tackling
3: different genres from gangster to melodrama to uh, you know science fiction and stuff. Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you
2: next time. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. I bid you farewell.